1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. And uh, we are five weeks into Elijah, but we've come a long way with Elijah. And in the last five weeks, we are now three years removed from where he was as this mountain man that God had deliver a message to the, to the king and queen. And uh, we've seen him then, then go to from the spotlight to this brook Cherith, away from everybody and everything, and fed by the ravens there. And then we saw him at the widow of Zarephath and having to rely on this widow woman to take care of him. And every day God provided the meal and the oil. And last week we saw him still with them. And her son died, and, and Elijah prayed for God to do something he had never done and, and, and that we have recorded to that point and raised her son from the dead. And then now we're at chapter 18, and I want to begin reading here in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took an hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land unto all fountains of water and unto all brooks, peradventure we may find grass to save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. And Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him. And he knew him and fell on his face and said, Art thou that my lord Elijah? And he answered him, I am. Go tell thy lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, What have I sinned that thou wouldst deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from thee, that the spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I thy servant fear the Lord from my youth. Was it Told Was it not told my Lord what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water? And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Look here tonight at Elijah, and he's very close to really his greatest moment here in chapter 18. But we find this man going through all this waiting, all this difficulty, all this growing of his faith. And now we find him tonight, a man prepared, a man prepared. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you, Lord, for your word and the privilege it is to preach it tonight. And Lord, I pray that you'd enable me, God, to get this message out clearly Lord, I pray that you'd help us, God, as we are here in 1 Kings 18, that you'd give us exactly what you have for us. I pray that I'd say the words you had to be said, and I pray as we're listening tonight, God, we'd receive exactly what you have us to receive. Lord, bless us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I do not cook very often. You could ask my wife and kids, it's seldom that I'm in there unless I'm putting in a frozen pizza or something like that. I do the grilling, I'll do that. 
When it comes to cooking, that's not something I really desire to do or, or uh, often do. My wife just loves it so much. She wants to do it all the time. <laughs> when it comes to making a meal, I, I don't enjoy it. It doesn't bring me satisfaction, and the times I've done it, I've done it out of necessity. Um, Hallie made meatloaf a couple nights ago, and, and it's one that our, we, we love. She makes very good meatloaf, and it kind of had gotten out of the rotation of our meals, and one of the kids asked for it, and it was delicious. And as we were sitting down at the table, it's, I was reminded about a time very early in our marriage where I made meatloaf. And I, I was asking her how long ago it was and how often it was that I made it, and uh, we came to a conclusion and laughed because I made it one time, and it was over 14 years ago that I made a meatloaf. And I remember that day I had the day off, and I sold cars at that time, and she worked as a secretary in an insurance office, and I was off on one of the days during the week by myself, and I said, you know what, I'm going to make my new wife dinner tonight, and I, I got the Joy of Cooking cookbook that my mom had passed down to us and found the recipe for meatloaf, and start to finish time is what it said in that cookbook was, was two hours, and I think it took me at least that or probably three to get this all done and I go step by step I get the ground beef out and I begin to prep it and add all the ingredients and then you make the 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 sauce uh, ketchup based sauce for the top of the meatloaf and it was a lot of work and I was very proud of the work and I remember when Hallie got home and dinner was prepared and it was actually good I was I was proud of myself but I also remember not caring if I ever cooked another meal in my life you know, as you, those of you that, that cook, you, you get from the original mushy ingredients, as you would with a meatloaf, to the final edible and delicious product, that takes a while, doesn't it? It took a while for it to be prepared for us to eat. And as I was thinking about that this afternoon, it reminded me what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. God is working on you. God, God is still uh, working on you and, and making you who you need to be. And as God allows us to go through everything we go through, he does that to, so we can become what he desires us to become. God is preparing us for something. There are things that you've gone through in your life that God used to prepare you for something else already or something in the future. And, and God was preparing Elijah for these, during these long three years to be up against a thousand prophets, a king, and all that were watching. And as we look here tonight, we come to a realization that Elijah is finally prepared for the task at hand that's about to come. So what do we see that showed he was a prepared man? As, as we look in this chapter tonight, the first thing that I saw here in verse 1 was Elijah's patience. We look here in verse 1, it says, and it came to pass after many days. And we look there a couple lines later, it says to Elijah in the third year. We see God's timing in Elijah being prepared after many days in the third year. We, we, we know it says it came to pass. And I want you to understand tonight as we look at these three years that went by in Elijah's life and as this time came to pass in his life, it wasn't something by chance that God, that finally just happened. It was the sovereign timing of God who was carrying out his purpose in Elijah this entire time. And as we look at our life, we need to learn to see the, the hand of God bringing things to pass in our life. 
We need to see the hand of God working in our life, in our times of waiting, in our times, uh, in, our, in the times of, of trials in our life. And even when it doesn't make sense to us, even when it just seems like nothing is happening, we need to trust God's timing above our timing. Because we understand, we've, we've mentioned the verse often, his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And we understand his timing tonight is not our timing. And there's two things that we can understand about the timing of God tonight. The first one is God deals with us on a day-by-day basis. One day at a time. So every single day of Elijah's life was important leading up to this day. Every single day there in Cherith was important as he drank out of the brook there and as the ravens continued to bring him food. Every single day in in Zarephath with that widow and her son was important. Every decision he made every day was important. And every day in the believer's life is important to God. And it should be important to you. God cares for you. God cares for every detail in your life. First Peter, it says, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. And if God is so concerned with your life that he cares for you, if God cares about your day, if God cares about what happens to you, shouldn't you care as well? So that means we need to carefully watch every day, don't we? We need to understand every decision we make, every day that we wake up and get ready and, and go to work, every, every morning when it's time to read our Bible, every single one of those moments is important and we need to walk circumspectly. We need to walk with wisdom and understand we have a tendency to sin and the devil wants to do anything he can to slow us down or to stop us. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the what? Time. Because the days are evil. Every day is important. Every minute of your life is important. So we need to understand the first thing about God's timing is God operates. He deals with us on a day-by-day, day-at-a-time basis. And the second thing, as we look at Elijah here, there was a specific time and a specific plan. So God had provision for Elijah for a certain number of days at that brook Cherith, known only to God, and it was unknown to Elijah. Every day he had to wait. Every day in Zarephath he had to wait. He didn't know if that was the last time the, the meal would be there. He didn't know if that was the last bit of oil they'd ever have. Every day he had to wait and wake up the next day wondering what God had for him then. There was a specific time, and as it came to pass, this time it was ready for Elijah to begin taking that step and to go find Ahab. The time was known to God, but unknown to Elijah. And and I think all of you would agree with me tonight that that time was definitely difficult at times for Elijah to continue to be patient. He's a man. He he was made of flesh just like we are. Elijah knows one day he's going to be back with Ahab. One day he's going to go back to him with a message from God. He's going to pray and and rain's going to come down. And one day that's going to happen and but for three years, over three years, he waits, and he waits, and he waits. It's, it's hard to wait, isn't it? And when the days seem like many, what should we do? When those times of waiting come in our life, what do we need to do? Remember, God's timing is not our timing. And his clock works a lot differently than yours. Because God is El Olam. He's the God of eternity. 
who, who, who to one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years to us is as one day to him. The Bible says in Psalm 90, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. He is the everlasting God. And he's one who can always be counted on. As you look at our world, conditions change, don't they? There's almost 90 today, and it's going to be going down steadily till it's about 40 degrees tomorrow afternoon. Times change, conditions change, people change. Has anybody in here changed since they were a teenager or even a first married? Yeah. Needs change. We see this every day as we go through life. Your needs were different as a child than they were as a teenager. Your needs were different as a teenager than they were as a young adult. Your needs are different as a young adult than they are right now. And our, our world, our government, our society, everything undergoes change. And usually, as we look at our society, it's for the worse. But God, El Olam, never changes. He's the same as the Bible says in Hebrews, yesterday, today, and forever. So understanding our God is everlasting and eternal, and his time is different than our time, what should that do for us? Look at Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. How should that, how should that truth about God affect the way that you think and respond to life in the changes and the long days, and sometimes the many days? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is wearied? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increases strength. As we change, as we grow weary, our everlasting God never faints, never gets tired, never, never gives up. Nothing is beyond his wisdom. So we need to trust him. So we see God's timing in, in this waiting. Now we really, we just see Elijah's waiting here. He waited on the eternal God. After all the waiting, he's still serving him. We, we, I, I would think at the Brook Cherith, it, it wasn't easy, it wasn't comfortable, but it was enough, right? There at the widow of Zarephath, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. The first step going with her, it wasn't easy. When her son died, it wasn't easy. All the difficulties, all the trials, all the, the questioning, all the the. the Talk of the people around him he had to endure did not push him away from wanting to serve his God. He knew that God was still there and, God, and he was ready to hear God when God spoke. And, he, and as, the, as the waiting happened and as those three years go on in his life, he didn't think that God had let him down. He didn't think God had forgotten about him. We, in fact, just the opposite is true. He was still serving God. He was still exactly where God wanted him to be. He hadn't taken things into his own hands. And he was more than ready for the task as God came to him here in this chapter. And in his waiting, he showed he was a man committed to serving God with his whole heart. God had a purpose in the waiting. And we need to remember tonight, God has a purpose in everything he allows in your life. In Ephesians chapter 4 says, Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro 
and carry about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We press on in the word of God so we can grow to that point. We stay faithful to God so we can grow and be used of God in this way. So we can grow in doctrine, so we can grow in our faith, so we can grow in our service to God. We continue, even in times of waiting, for that very reason. But as we've talked about and been reminded of, we can allow trials to affect us positively or negatively. We can allow a trial or a period of waiting or difficulty to bring us closer to God, or we can allow that trial to drive us away from God. And in our waiting and in our day-by-day living for Christ, we need to remember who we are serving. We see his patience in waiting. We see the comfort in his waiting. Why could Elijah continue to wait there in Zarephath all those years? Because he learned that God could be trusted. Again, we do not always know what God's doing, do we? Whatever situation God has you in right now, he is ready with whatever provisions are necessary to see that you are able to carry out the task. Because God's commands are always accompanied with God's provisions. Doesn't matter how big the task is, doesn't matter how small the task is, God's commands always come with God's provisions. He is always there and he's always ready with that promise of victory and the capability of, of victory in those difficulties what about Abraham God came to this man named Abram in a wicked society who didn't know a whole lot it didn't really uh, he, he had he believed in God but that was about it and God came to him with this big command saying I'm going to make a nation out of you you're going to be my chosen people and Abraham Abraham had to trust that He said, now the Lord said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. Could Abraham or Abram at that time fully understand how God was going to do that? No. What about many years passing from that moment? Could he still see how God was going to do that? No. But what did he do? He stepped out and every step he made, God provided. Even when he messed up, God provided. What about Moses? Moses was there in Egypt for 40 years. He fled to the wilderness another 40 years. At 80 years old, he's there tending to the sheep, and God speaks to him out of a burning bush and says, I want you to lead your people out of bondage. Could Moses understand how that was going to happen? No. Did he have any objections? Yeah, many of them. He, he, he told God he wasn't capable, he wasn't good at speaking, he couldn't do this, he couldn't do this. What if they don't believe me? Who do I tell them sent me? All those things Moses wanted to ask. And God told him, now therefore go and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. Could Moses see into the future and see all that God was going to do through him? No. But did God provide every step of the way? Yes. What about the disciples of Jesus? Up until his death they had done everything with him. They understood what what he could do. They understood the protection that came with him. And and as he gave them the great commission, he told them to go out. But before he did, what did he say? Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He says, everything you need is available. 
The provisions were there. Could they see what God was going to do? No. Could they see the 3,000 being added to the church there on the day of Pentecost? No. But did God provide to let that happen? Yes. Where God leads, he promises provision in his presence. And he's not going to leave you alone. So we see Elijah being ready, first of all, through his patience, because of his patience. Second thing, see a prepared man because of Elijah's obedience. It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. We see that command, show thyself. You guys remember what he commanded him in chapter 17? What did he say? Hide thyself. And now he's come to him here in chapter, eight, in, in chapter 18 and said, show thyself. It's game time. This is a little more difficult than the, than the first plan to hide himself. What's different about it? Well, at the time he told him to hide himself, the nation of Israel was just beginning to experience a drought. Nothing really bad had happened to that point. But now, for three years, they've been starving and having less and less water, less and less food. Thousands have died as a result. Starvation is rampant. Poverty is all around. People are angry. And Elijah is the man who God used to announce it, so they're angry at him. The call to hide himself came when his flesh wanted to show himself and the the call to show himself came when he had every reason to hide himself. Can, can you imagine the humiliation that, Eli, that King Ahab felt? His arrogant heart and the resentment against Elijah because Elijah came with this message. They definitely laughed him out, off, thought there was nothing that he could do. And now it's really happened and, and that arrogant king's embarrassed because he's been showed up by this mountain man. Searching for Elijah, wanting him to be dead. And now God says, show thyself to Ahab. Be similar to us going out there 191 saying, see that semi-truck, go stand in front of it. It'd be dangerous. If I, if I was Elijah, I would want to stay in seclusion for a little while longer. But God said, show thyself. Not everything that God commands us to do is easy. Not everything God instructs us to do is comfortable. But it's best. And it matters. So we see this command of that God had for Elijah, and then we see his response. It says there in verse 2, And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab. His response revealed his heart for God. He didn't need all the details. He didn't want to know exactly how God wanted him to find Ahab. Do I go to the city? Do I go to a certain place? Do I wait for him here? Do, are you going to drop me off? What do I need to do? He didn't ask any of those questions. He went. God gave him the command and he was ready. And that's what every single Christian needs to do. When God speaks to you, purpose to move. Elijah didn't object. He didn't point out difficulties or try to reason with God. God God's call, God's command brought him to simple action. Showed a love for God. It showed that he had a heart for God and for the people of God. And Did you know that nothing reveals the truth of your love for God any more clearly than your obedience to his commands. We could say anything we want. We could raise our hand tonight and, and testify about how much we love God, but we prove how much we love him in the way we obey him. 
And we prove we love him when we cheerfully obey the instruction that he's given us. What does the Bible say? Jesus himself said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keep the, 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 the greatest commandment and, and the other commandment. Keep the commandment to love the Lord thy God with all your heart. Keep the command to love others as yourself. If you love me, keep those commandments. Those two commandments cover about everything. And there's a special promise God had for those that did that. He says, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Evaluate your heart tonight. What do your actions reveal about your heart? What does your obedience say about your love for God? When God says go... What's your response? When, when, we, when, when we feel God pricking our heart to do something, or when we read the Bible and it's clear on something that should be part of our life and that may not be, or something we should do that we haven't yet done, what do we do? Do we look around for other solutions? Do we, do we think of a certain strategy or a, some sort of self-protection we can put on ourselves or some sort of defense or... Do we become depressed? Do we complain or murmur about what it is that we know we should be doing that we're not? Or do we lose the joy of the Lord? Do we have faith and character in the way we respond to those things? Elijah obeyed. As God commanded, he went. And how he was prepared, we see Elijah's patience. Secondly, Elijah's obedience. And the third thing tonight, we see Elijah's faith. We look here, God said, go show yourself to Ahab, and that was the command. And he says, you go to him, and I will send rain upon the earth. That was his promise. So if Elijah obeys, God's going to get glory, all, every, everybody's going to get rain. It meant there'd be the removal of suffering on many people that were suffering. It, it would mean life to some that were close to death, it would be a great time of blessing for everyone there, even those that didn't deserve it. And if Elijah obeys, these things are going to happen, but what was in it for Elijah? As, as God commanded him to go, do we find a promise of protection from Ahab or Jezebel? No. It, it wasn't directly there, but he obeyed and trusted God. And as Elijah leaves, he comes in contact with a man in Ob Obadiah. We look there in verse 8. Actually, uh, verse 7. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him. And he knew him and fell on his face and said, Art thou that my Lord Elijah? As you look here in this, this chapter, Obadiah was an official in charge of the household of the king. He's named a governor. He's basically a manager of the palace and the affairs of the palace and all the affairs of Ahab. And he had a very high position and a responsibility. He was a leader. But as we look in verse 3, we find he was a believer in God. And he was described to be one. It says that now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. So he was high up under King Ahab, but he was also a man that loved God and feared God. And because of his faith, we, we, we read, we saw it twice there, that 
Obadiah was able to be used to spare the life of a hundred prophets from Jezebel. The ones that she tried to kill, he found other ways and he put them in groups of 50. He gave them bread and water out of his own pocket, no doubt. He can't use the king's finances, can't be traced back to him. So Obadiah definitely sacrificed in doing that. He's a man that feared God, a man that loved God, a man that didn't want to see those prophets killed. He didn't agree with that. But like many of us tonight, his faith needed to grow a little more and possibly mature a little more. So we find God coming to Elijah in verse 2, saying, Elijah, I want you to go to Ahab. And then we see Ahab in verse 3 calling Obadiah, and they're going to split up and look for water for the animals. And we see in verse 7, as Elijah left and obeyed God, and Obadiah left and obeyed the king, it says there in verse 7, Behold, Elijah met him. Elijah met Obadiah while Obadiah was on the way all by himself. It shows us the providence of God there, doesn't it? Elijah was in hostile territory, sent to accomplish God's will and carry out the purpose God had for him to carry out, but he, he didn't have to go to the capital. Instead, God prearranges a meeting with possibly the only man that would want to spare Elijah's life at that moment, a faithful follower of God and who demonstrated courage, who had access to and confidence of the king. Was that by chance? It was by God's providence. And we see God's loving care in that situation. Yeah, I want to tell you again, we, we mentioned it just a moment ago, if God sends us to do a job, he will provide the resources we need to do it. Elijah and Obadiah headed towards each other. and Obadiah saw Elijah coming and he recognized him. He fell on his face. He bowed down. And as we look at that, Elijah didn't correct his action. This was merely seen as respect for the prophet as a true man of God. Reverence and recognition of Elijah's leadership within Israel. And Elijah looked to him, understood who he was, and he sought help. He said, are you Elijah? In verse 8, he says, I am. Go, tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. Elijah saw Obadiah as a godsend. That was the logical thought to have. God commanded him. He's trusting God along the way. And Obadiah was the perfect person to get that word to the king. But Obadiah responded in fear. Look at verse 9. And he said, what have I sinned that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? Because if I leave right now, God's just going to move you somewhere else and they're going to kill me because I didn't, because I lost you. I'm going to be held responsible for this. He responded in fear. His thinking, where his mind was at, even though he was a man that feared God and loved God, his thinking was hindering his ability to respond to Elijah's request and the need. He's, he's, this was a prophet of God. This is someone God was using. But he, his thinking was hindering him from being able to see that at that moment, and he only feared for his life. There's many times when we know we're supposed to do something, but our fear gets in the way, doesn't it? Our doubts get in the way. Our, what we see is our capabilities or inabilities change our mind on how we are approaching what we should be doing often. 
For most of us, our fears really will fall into three different categories. One of them could be fear of failure. Another one could be fear of rejection. Another one could be fear of loss. What would I lose if I did this? Obadiah, I really, I really believe, felt all three of those. He thought his life was never going to be the same. So should have Elijah just said, forget you, I'll do this on my own? Should he scold him for what he said? Should he say, you really don't love God if that's, if that's your thinking? No, he, he didn't do any of that. What did he do? He helped him. Obadiah needed help. Obadiah has been there next to the most wicked man and woman in, in the world at that moment possibly. And Obadiah is there with the king and queen. He didn't have the time in Cherith Elijah had. He didn't have the time in Zarephath that Elijah had. He feared God, but his relationship was lacking and his faith was lacking when it came to the commands of God. And the prophet had some encouraging to do. So that's what he did. Verse 15, and Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. There's nothing to fear. The first thing he encouraged him in is he encouraged him in God. He says that the Lord of hosts liveth. We know the God of Baal is nothing, right? But the God that you fear and the God that I fear and the God that I'm moving on behalf of today is one that is, is everlasting. And he was firmly convinced in the aliveness and the power of his God. And he was speaking to this man Obadiah in a certain way to, to let him know, hey, I know God, you know God, let's trust him. There's going to be people in your life that are going to possibly disappoint you because of a lack of faith or a lack of obedience to God. Help them see who God is. Pray for them to see God in a different way. Testify of the goodness of God. Remind them, those that are weaker in faith, that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. That the God who instructs us to do right is it, it can enable us to do right. Encourage them in God. That's exactly what Elijah did. He encouraged them in God. The second thing he did, he stated his purpose. His reason for living, his reason for doing this. He says, as the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand. He let, it, he let him know the reason I'm here is because I'm operating to do what he wants me to do. I'm standing before God. I'm not here for myself. I'm not here for others. I'm not, I'm not here for the king Ahab, obviously. My life, the one I'm standing before is God. That's who I'm pleasing. And that's who Obadiah needed to please. Anyway, he was just committed to encouraging him and helping him. He says, I will surely show myself to him today. Elijah said to Obadiah, you can count on me. What God's commanded me to do, I'm going to do. What I'm, what I'm committing to you before God to do, I'm going to do. He says, you can count on me because I'm counting on the Lord. That's faithfulness. Faithfulness is a needed quality in every Christian. It makes a difference. It helps other Christians. You can think back in your life as a member of this church or another church, or you can think back on your Christian life, and there's probably somebody, whether it's a relative or somebody else in church, that helped you be stronger in your faith for God. Maybe it was an older couple or 
someone that was about 10 years older than you and they already had kids, they were raising them, you saw their faithfulness, you saw how they, they depended on God and they obeyed God and what God did and that encouraged you to continue to do right. You need to do that for other people. Be faithful to God and your faithfulness to God will help other people whether you realize it or not. Obadiah was scared for his life. Elijah talked to him and encouraged him. What does it say in verse 16? So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Obadiah, when he met Elijah, was, was excited to see him, but then he was fearful for his life because he wasn't sure what was going to happen. And it was the motivation of Elijah's leadership, a man that was prepared, and his example that brought encouragement. You know, all of us vary in our ability to motivate other people. We vary in our leadership skills or our roles. But every one of us have, have some sort of influence on somebody else. And every one of us have an opportunity to be an encouragement to those around us. So, so just as Elijah was, be sensitive to those needs. And be examples by demonstrating the reality of Christ and what authentic Christianity looks like. You know, Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica, wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. That's what we're supposed to do. And as your faith has been strengthened, whether it was God that strengthened it or, or God using someone else to strengthen it, encourage others so they can be strengthened as well. And as we look here at chapter 18, that mountain man we met at the beginning of chapter 17, I don't really think he would have handled Obadiah that way, do you? If you don't want to do it, I'll go right to him. That's probably what he would have said. <laughs> but we see a man prepared. Because he had finally a true patience in God. He had definite obedience. And he operated by faith. And now he's ready for God to use him in an incredible way. And I'm excited about being in that next week. Where are you tonight? Where are you right now? Are you in a triumph? Are you discouraged? Are you just in a period of waiting? Not sure what's happening, not sure what's going on. Look at that trial as something God can grow you with. Look at that time of waiting for an opportunity for you to depend on God day by day by day. Put your confidence in him right now. No matter how weak you feel, no matter how discouraged you feel, put your confidence in God. This is the God that can give meal and oil every day. That can use a dirty raven to bring sustenance to his man. Look at that time. There's a time for you to learn to put your confidence in him. And in his time, he'll bless and he'll have you ready for more. And you'll see fruit and you'll see victory. We need that patience. We need that obedience. We need that faith. The wait is worth it. Every head bowed, every eye closed.